Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Stuff Live. The only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs> Everybody, we are back. Celtic Stuff Live. I'll tell you what, John and I got the bug covering for Larry H. Russell. Uh, I believe it was January 2nd, or maybe it was January 1st. It was. It was the new year. We rang in 2016. Uh, we had such a good time interviewing Mark Spears and, and covering for Celtics Beat that we wound up talking to CLNS Radio, and we said, we, we want to bring back Celtic Stuff Live. And, and now here we are. And John, I gotta tell you, we we know we knew exactly who we were going to, and not to mention we're gonna hear about this from Grandy when we have him on the show the first time. But <laughs> you and I knew we were going to Mike Gorman, and I think you gotta tell the story about Mike and why he's gonna be our first guest as we uh, we come back. Because I remember we said it's like riding a bike, you know, no training wheels required, and and now here we are, and we're gonna be rolling this Celtic stuff live show back out. Uh, very consistently. No standard format, though. We're just going to run with it. We're going to be creative with it. But, um, you know, but it, it is. It, here we are. We're back. And uh, it, it really is just like riding a bike. It is. It's like it's like just like old times. You know, the technology's a little different than it was back in the olden days when you had all kinds of mixers and things going. And, you know, we, you know, Skype is a little bit more reliable than it, you know, now. And um, but no, yeah, it's 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 great to be back. It's great to be doing this. It's great to be doing this with Mike Gorman, our guy, our our idol, our A number one. Hear that, Sean? Uh, <laughs> but no, it's great. I mean, Mike, uh, Mike was huge supporter of us getting started. Uh, in fact, one such day when things were uh, not so great in the world of the Celtics, not a great team, and our playoff team, uh, he actually invited us to come down, and uh, it was it was a great time. Uh, JB and uh, Justin and I, first time we'd actually had met in the flesh. We had done the show for well, how long, Justin? At that point, I want to say we were pretty close to uh, sixteen to twenty months, somewhere yeah. in that in that time frame. <laughs> Never met each other in Never the match. So Mike Gorman is actually the one who not only who brought us together physically, 
technology, technology, technologically, if I can get that word out, uh, technologically we were together, but physically meeting, you and I meeting in the tops of Maine, uh, McDonald's parking lot and riding down to the garden for the first time. Uh, it was a great time. And, and it was Mike who actually did that. So, um, what a time. Oh, and then, really nice seats. Great seats. Uh, you know, we were stone's throw from uh, Howie Carr. I was actually sitting a couple seats down. Uh, I mean, what a night. We got media kinds. And I think, for me, that was the first time I had been, you know, kind of in the back and in the media room before and, you know, getting a chance to see how that worked. It was, it was, it was such a night. It's a night I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, now I'm you know, here we are, you know, just these years later, 10 years later or so, getting ready to talk to him again. And, you know, your kids are have grown up a little bit more. My kids have grown up. We're watching the My kids and I were watching the game, uh, you know, the other night. And I said, yeah, I'm going to be talking to Mike the other day. And, you know, they've kind of known that we know that I know him. And they're like, how is that? Like, it's just it's kind of like a starstruck thing. Dad's talking to some guy on TV. It's a it's a crazy, crazy thing. Um, and uh, so it's it's really cool to be able to come back, you know, kind of make old what's new again, and and uh, go back to those 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 ways that we did things way back when, and and kick this new show off. I guess the old show off again. I'm not sure, but either way, it's great. <laughs> yeah, what a timestamp that is when you're talking about watching the game with your kids and they're actually aware of who Mike Gorman is. I mean, it really just we did. We started this this show. Uh, it might have even been over ten years ago. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know the the folks at CLNS Radio from you know Jared to uh, Nick Gelso, everybody else. And thank you for getting us back on the air on the network and all the production and support we're going to get from them. But also, you know, just the fact that they keep telling me, oh, you were the pioneers, you were the pioneers. And I just have a hard time seeing it that way. You know, I just, I mean, yeah, we probably were, but I just don't think of it that way. I just, this was just something that we did, but I am going to tell you, John, I would not be where I am today. Were it not for those Celtics credentials, because getting into the locker room and being, being able to interview those players and to stand, you know, two feet away from Doc Rivers and ask him questions, it really helped me. Now, now I'm a, a big time sales executive or what, you know, whatever. But my point is, I, I was not going to become the person I am today had I not challenged myself getting into that locker room and, and trying to uh, to do something I never thought I'd be able to do. So it, it was it was at least pioneering for my personal career. It well, you know, it was it was you know and, and for a Celtics fan's dream come true to be able to walk around and walk around and, and not just talk to those guys and and not be starstruck, not be super fan. Uh, but you know, also be sitting down, and and if you know Bob Ryan's sitting over there, and Jackie McMullen's over there, and, and and we got to be great friends with some of these guys, like Scott Souza and and Jesper Camarado and and Steve Bullpet, and I mean, it, it really. Um, it was it was the coolest thing to be able to do that and get to understand, uh, you know, a bit behind the curtain and, and see how real this is. They're not just people you see on TV or hear on the radio. They're real folks. And, and uh, you know, we had a great time doing those things. And it's going to be great to be able to do what we're doing now and throw Twitter in the mix and, and which, you know, we still do uh, 
uh, probably me as much as anybody. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And it's, as you said, it was a really cool thing, Jared Weiss writing the thing up on CLNS Radio uh, about the show and how it got started. You know, he and I were kind of going back and forth. He's like, you know, yeah, you guys were pioneers. Like, make me feel like I'm like, you know, 1800s or something. Dude, John, I did turn 40 last April, so maybe <laughs> maybe that's a little bit closer than you'd think. But but I am going to say this. Nobody more gracious with his time than yeah. Mike Gorman on this show. We had a lot of great moments from, you know, Grandy and Spears and Gorman. But they the, all the Boston media that covered the Celtics embraced us, even though they knew that the world of the media was changing. And I think some people, you know, not in Boston, not the people that we connected with, but I think a lot of people in the media were threatened by that. That's not the experience that we had, and it's part of the reason we were afforded the opportunity, not to mention the Celtics organization on the whole also supported us. You know, we worked with Eric Weiss and Jeff Clark at Celtics blog to be able to get the credentials, and it just, you know, it just changed everything. But I will say we've we've got to go to Gorman here. We've got to bring him on and kick it off. But but definitely follow us on Twitter. That's going to be the best way to reach John and I in terms of talking about Celtics. Or if you have questions for the show, you can go ahead and direct message us or, you know, shoot us a, a, a quick, uh, you know, a quick um, message on on Twitter. So it's CSL underscore Justin or CSL underscore Duke. And what I'll tell you is maybe somebody listening to the show doesn't even know who we are. Right. And that's certainly a possible possibility because it's been really five years since you and I did this regularly. So we're looking forward to old fans enjoying the show and, and meeting some new fans. So again, those Twitter handles, CSL underscore Justin, CSL underscore Duke. And you know what? Let's go get Mike Gorman right now and kick this thing off. Joining us now, Mike Gorman as our first guest, Celtic Stuff Live back on the air, John and Justin. And Mike, you know, we couldn't kick it off uh, the right way without you, so we're really happy to to have to be back on the air and and to have you as the first guest with such an exciting time in the in the development of the new Celtics. I'm excited you guys would have me, and uh, that's that's pretty pretty cool because I think I was one of your first guests way back when. You you were one of our first guests, and you were a strong supporter of what we were doing, and now. Look at all the, the the podcast representatives that have credentialed access, and you know the things that like uh, you know Jared Weiss at CLNS Radio is doing, where you know there's actual video feed, you know, and I know that um, CSN has done a lot with you know expanding their online presence as well. So you know we I think we started this ten years ago, and it's definitely come a long way since, and we've seen media get uh, you know change the change the face of the landscape quite a bit. You guys are out front. I hope you made a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Something like Feels that. Like yeah. it. Some, somewhere around seven figures. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just won't tell you where the decimal point is, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, let's talk about, you know, one of the reasons John and I have have come back and you know one is I got a, a job change and I have a little bit more time and the kids are grown up a little bit so you know I have the time for it again but the other reason is this team is very exciting to watch they've been you know sort of that Forrest Gump quote of being a a, a, a box of chocolates on some nights but lately in the last 10 they've gone eight and two they've won five straight the only other team in the Eastern Conference that's as hot or hotter is the Toronto Raptors winners of 10 straight 
So this team is, uh, you know, come out of maybe a little bit of blues right around the holidays, and they're hot again. Looks like they might streak just like they did down the stretch last year. That would be nice, you know. I, I mean, this is going to have to come to an end, and we got a West Coast road trip, and uh, there, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. But uh, yeah, th- this team is playing better, and, and you know, I know Brad feels that they can be better than they've been so far, and. Uh, you know, to be right now tied with Atlanta, I think, for the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, we can legitimately talk here about potential home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs this many games into the season. Um, you go back to the end of the summer, people would have thought, oh, these guys are just being homers. But, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm slow. I won't say I'm slowly coming around. I'm starting to think there are really only two better teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, that would be Toronto and Cleveland, obviously. I think they're... I think the distance between them and whoever you want to put in third, whether it be the Celtics, Atlanta, or Chicago, that there is a, a, a gap there. But, uh, again, should be talking about one of the top three teams. I know in ESPN's power rankings, I think the last time I looked at Celtics were like 12 or 13. Um, this team has really overachieved. It's unbelievable, Mike. I mean, I, it, I think there were two schools of thought in the summer. Some of the analytics folks and the people who, you know, who understand that aspect of the game, they, a lot of them were saying this is a 47-48-49 win team. I think the folks, the eye test folks who maybe, you know, look at it and say, well, you know, yeah, but you're starting these guys and, you know, you got Evan Turner and, you know, how does this, you know, that's more like a 42-43 win team. And it seems like at times, you know, when they've gone through those doldrums, they've looked more like the 42-win team. And now that they've, they're playing like, I think, the team that they can be, they look like that 49-win team. Do you think, is, is there a, is it a, a part of maybe the, the way that this team is made up and that you, to, to get a win, you really, you can't rely on one guy. There's so many different pieces that, that have to come together and they really have to play well as a team. Is that maybe a, a more difficult way to build something you can rely upon night after night? I, I really don't think it is. I mean, as much as people claim and, and they're right that it's a player's league, um, this, is, this is not a player's team. I mean, with the exception of Isaiah, and it's wonderful, I'm really happy for the kid that he uh, he deserved to go to the All-Star uh, game. And uh, I hope Kelly also goes to the All-Star game in a three-point shot because I think if you put his numbers up, especially since the 1st of January, um, he's a, as good a three-point shooter as there is in the league. I think only Reddick has a better percentage since uh, the 1st of the year. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, You know, I've always believed – from my experience in, in, in college way back when, I always believe in college teams take on the personality of the, of their coach and in the pros teams take on the personality of their best player. And I think we're the exception to that rule. Uh, I think, I think we take on the personality of, of Brad Stevens and um, the, the, this team believes in itself. They believe in defense. It took them a while to come around to it. Um, they had it going for a while and, then they kind of lost it, and I think they understood what they lost, and now they've got it back again. They know that even though we're scoring 112 points a game and are one of the better offensive teams in the league by the numbers, it's the defense. It's forcing the turnovers. It, it's making guys take bad shots, getting rebounds, and getting out and running, that that's where the offense is coming from. It's not just generating itself. I mean, I, I know people look at me like I'm crazy, but if uh, – if Golden State was not such a good defensive team, and they're really, really good defensively, if they weren't, they would just be kind of an entertaining bunch of scorers who would probably win 45 to 50 games and be fun to watch. 
but they wouldn't be dominant. They're dominant because of their defense. People want to think of Stephen Curry, and they should, and think of Thompson, and think of everybody else on that team, Iguodala. Um, but it's the fact that they defend that makes them that good. And I think the, the, these guys in the green have bought into that. They understand. Um, and Amir Johnson has turned out to be a much better defensive player than I ever thought he was in watching him once or twice a year. Um, Crowder, is, we know what kind of defender he is. We know what kind of defender Avery Bradley is. And, and Marcus Smart, is a, he's a rare talent. He's a once-in-every-five-or-ten-year talent in the sense that his offensive game will continue to improve. But right now, um, he's as good a defensive one-on-one player for any, covering anybody from fours down to ones as there is in the league. You know, once he starts to get the benefit of calls from the refs, he really mm-hmm. be, he really will be something. And I, I want to go back to the first thing you said about the team taking on the identity of the coach and being the exception to the rule. And you've been pretty vocal about saying, "Listen, I want nothing to do with Boogie Cousins on this team." <laughs> and I and I want to I want to follow up not on Boogie specifically. But I've been wondering this. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you're tired of it. (laughs) But I want to follow up specifically on the idea of bringing in a superstar because, yeah, obviously we're getting close to the trade deadline and there's a lot of talk and everybody's saying we got to, you know, compile some of these, you know, players into a package and get one great all star. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think part of the magic of this team is the fact that there is nobody whose ego stands above. And I am actually a little concerned about them going out and getting a player that maybe, um, you know, takes away, you know, to borrow borrow the Doc Rivers, Ubuntu, you know, sort of attitude of the team. I almost feel like this team might have some regression even if they did get a better player. I know that sounds crazy, but I wonder if you think there's any validity to that. No, it doesn't sound crazy. and I'm in the same camp as you. I, um, You know, people were talking about Danilo Gallinari in the last week, and you know, Danilo's a nice player, but I, I don't want him coming here and taking Jay Crowder, if not having Jay Crowder having to be part of the deal to get Gallinari. I don't want to lose Jay Crowder. I think he's a key member of this team going forward. But if Jay Crowder would even stay in a deal like that, who's Gallinari, whose minutes is Gallinari going to eat up? Do you want him to take Selinger's minutes right now? Not really. Selinger's a double-digit rebounder in like five of the last six games. Um, do you want him to take Amir Johnson's minutes? I don't think so. He can't play the five spot. Is he going to take Crowder's minutes? I don't want him taking Crowder's minutes. So I I agree with you. I mean, there's there's one guy, uh, and I don't think there's any chance they can get him. Uh, there's one guy that if you told me you could get your hands on DeMar DeRozan, I would say, what do we need to do to do that? Um, because he's a scorer, and he gets to the free throw line. And, and he reminds me of, of Paul Pierce when he was young. Um, and, but other than that, I don't see a lot of guys out there that I would trade the Brooklyn pick for. Um, I know coming up at five o'clock tonight, there's a great college basketball game on between, uh, LSU and Oklahoma. And I forget the kid's name from Oklahoma, who's scoring about 26 to 27 a game. So it'd be nice to see him and Simmons on the same, play in the same game, but that, that Brooklyn pick, and uh, unless we get screwed by the bouncing balls again, um, that Brooklyn pick is going to be a top three or a top four pick. And I would much rather see Brad Stevens be given a talented young player than having a Boogie Cousins or any, even any other 28, 29, 30-year-old player in this league who feels he's established come in 
and and again maybe mess up what is great chemistry. I mean, I've been traveling around with, with professional basketball teams for a long time. This is this is a really good bunch of kids. There, 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 there are no bad apples in the bunch. They like each other. They play hard. They understand what it, it takes to win. They're all on the same page, at least at the moment. Um, and so I would be very uh, careful not to break that up. I, I and I don't. I I have no indication in conversations with with the Celtics that uh, they're dialing Sacramento every day, wondering what what it would take to get Cousins. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. It. It. I mean, I think it. <laughs> it makes for a great. Uh, article on the web and you know it gets a lot of clicks but I mean they're opening an arena next year I mean there's a hundred reasons why Sacramento and also they're in the playoff hunt so you know I, I think that they're that's yeah I think it's you know you know it's, it's interesting but that's about all it is I did he, you know I think that remarkable, you're right he's there. a remarkable talent he's a remarkable talent but but he's he's got issues and and yeah. you know Character is important, and and the Celtics have done a good job of making character important. Um, and again, you don't you, you don't want to. If we had a bad locker room right now, if we had had guys who didn't like each other, if we had the you know they used to say about the old Red Sox way back when, twenty five guys, twenty five cabs. Um, when this locker room is not like that, these guys are together. They go out to dinner together. They eat together. They play cards together. They they live together. Um, it, it, Jay Crowder talking about that experience last week there where he left at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and, and played Philly on Sunday night and bombed them, get back to the plane, find out we can't fly to Washington, have to fly 20 minutes to Baltimore and then get on an hour and a half bus to, to Washington and get to Washington around four in the morning and then come out and just bomb Washington, uh, bus back to Baltimore, uh, get back on a plane, get land in Hanscom about three or four in the morning and, uh, have a game the next day and bomb that team. Um, and, and Jay was saying, you know, we're, we feel like we're just, we're, we're like a team, we're like a military unit. We just kind of travel around together. We do everything together and we play together. And so again, that you don't get that a lot. That's, that's a credit to Brad Stevens and his coaching staff. Um, but it, once you have that, you try to embrace that as long as you can. You don't <clears throat> bring any nut jobs in. Yeah. And, and and those are the guys that are going to be available, right? You know, it's it's yeah, <laughs> there's a I reason mean, why they yeah. want to go somewhere or, or need that's, to get out. It, that's exactly right. I mean, um, you know, you're right on the market that there aren't, there aren't a lot of happy players. I mean, I I, I mentioned DeMar DeRozan. I, I, everybody I talked to in Toronto when we were up there a couple of weeks ago was like, oh, he loves it here. He's happy here. He's going to resign here. He'll be here forever. Um, I, I think there's kind of a swing back to that. You know, the the idea of players bouncing around and playing for four or five different teams over the course of their career, uh, players are starting to realize the value of like, Hey, if I can play here and this is a good program and they're winning and getting better, why do I want to leave for a few more bucks? I mean, I mean, let's be serious guys. I mean, these guys make unbelievable amounts of money. You know, if somebody offers you $80 million or $60 million, I'm not thinking about the dollars anymore. I'm thinking, does it rain here? What's it, you know, what kind of schools <laughs> do I have for my kids? Uh, I'm not worried about making that extra $20 million because it's not going to make that much difference. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it's not going to make that much difference in the lives of me or my family or my children or my children's family. 
Yeah, um, and you know what? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to get paid any more than you know. Maybe if they started up a podcast, you know, like early on, <laughs> you know, you know, not really out ahead of it. Um, you know, like here's here's my thing on all of this is. Now they have all these picks, and I definitely I agree with you. They have a lot of control over maintaining this chemistry if they get them right out of college and, and and basically indoctrinate them into this culture, and then maybe they find that score, which is really the missing piece. We know that, but but I guess my question is, what are they going to do? I mean, the the chemistry has to change. You have a guy like Jordan Mickey, who I think. You know we're we all we're all in love with him, but nobody really knows if we should be because we haven't been able to see him play. And of course, he got injured um, recently, so he's sitting on the on the sidelines right now. Maybe maybe he would have had some opportunity to get some minutes. But what are they going to do if they're making all of these picks that they have and they're maintaining the chemistry? It's almost like um, they're caught in a catch twenty yeah twenty two. Yeah, well, they'd, they'd like to have like a sixteen or eighteen man roster. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I do think we have to be careful, and this is not directed at Jordan, or it's not directed at any of the Celtic players uh, who have gone up and played. Uh, James Young, being a great example. Um, numbers from from that league are a little misleading. Um, you know, guys go up there and score a lot of points, get a lot of rebounds, block a lot of shots. They come down here; it's, it's a little different animal. It's it's, it's bigger, stronger, faster. Um, so I wouldn't get too carried away. I mean, I, I know. Brad is, is, is very high on, on Jordan. Danny's very high on Jordan. Um, they think they got a real steal there, obviously, with the contract they gave him. You know, give that the second-round pick set often. Um, but but we, we really shouldn't. It's not, he's an the all-star team up there, which, again, I think is, is great for him. And he's always, obviously, one of the best players in that league. But, but understand what that league is, that those numbers are a little misleading. You know, James, James Young went up there, and every time I picked it up, he had, like, 28, 14 rebounds, six assists, three steals. And then he comes back down here and he, he's struggling to get a basket. So, um, I, I, again, I wouldn't get too carried away with, with the D-League numbers. Yeah. Uh, and somewhat maybe in, in the, in the more, opposite. Just to finish, to finish yeah, that yeah. element, what's more, important, what's more important is they go up there and the guys who are coaching Maine run the same systems Brad does. So they get a chance yeah. to play in the system that they ultimately have to be successful in. In that sense, I think the D league is very good. And in terms of, I mean, some kid, and I don't follow college basketball, um, but some kid, Jordan, Jordan, somebody the other day in the D league went to like 61 or 70 or something like that. Went to some oh. unbelievable number of points. I haven't heard of this kid. Um, <laughs> So, uh, again, I, I'm just a little suspect. I'm sure it's very entertaining to watch, but um, just a little suspect on how how much you can extrapolate from those numbers. Yeah. Well, it, and it's – I mean, it's a great thing, you know, the D-League and, and have a chance to play instead of sitting and watching. But, you know, looking at a, a guy like Kelly Olenek is a great – that that is when these things happen, whether it's Avery Bradley or whether it's you know these the, the mid round picks or, or you know going back to Tony Allen and, and Delonte, these guys that that they develop and they play in the system and they get better and better. I mean, Kelly Olynyk is a guy. I think a lot of people were probably questioning, and you know, is he going to be a player? Is he not going to be a player? He's having a really nice run right now, where you. 
You, know, you sit back sure and say, is. okay. You know, he. Th- there was a lot of talk about how the you know Giannis Tetacumbo, you know, and, and all Danny made him. You know, he missed on this one. Not many people are saying that right now with the way that Kelly's played of late. I mean, very impressive, and it's a good lesson probably for guys like James Young to say, keep your head down, keep working at it, and 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 this could be where you're at. Yeah, so Jimmy Butler was the poster boy for that. Yeah, you know, there you Jimmy, go. Jimmy Butler's and it took him five years, and, and all of a sudden he's considered one of the best players in the league. And this is a guy who four years ago was averaging what three points a game and getting <laughs> nine minutes a game on a good Chicago team, but not a great Chicago team. Um, so yeah, I, I I think more and more it, it it makes sense, guys, when you think about it. I mean, this doesn't. You guys are young, but when I was growing up, guys played four years of college ball. Nobody came out there. It was rare if a player came out after three years. So guys played four years of college basketball, then came to the pros, and in one or two years were successful. Now we think these kids at, at age seventeen or eighteen. Uh, when they play one quick year of college basketball and come out, are all of a sudden going to be at that same level. Well, they're not. They're going to be two or three years behind, really. And and the NBA is a man's league. It's not a boy's league. It may well be a player's league, but it's not a boy's league. It's a man's league. And so these guys need to, with rare exceptions, you know, uh, and Archie DeCumpo might be one of them, but with rare exceptions, these guys need time to develop, and, and, and front offices need to be patient with guys. And I think the Celtics are, are showing that patience with James Young right now. Um, maybe you can make a judgment on whether or not a guy is a good draft pick four years later, not a year later. That, that's not fair, especially if it's a guy who was a one and done. Well, and especially when they don't get minutes in the rotation. And so you mentioned <laughs> Olinick. You mentioned Olinick. How much is his success in the new year? related to this tightening of the rotation. I kind of felt like the players were whining a little bit in the media, but yes, it turns out that they're yes, probably they correct, even though they maybe didn't go about it the right way. So how much of Olenek's success, and even Sully's to some extent, is related to this tightening of the rotation and, and giving these guys those minutes? I think it is. I think I think Brad made a little bit of a concession to them, um, and because that was – the hot topic, as you as you guys both well know, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Um, but uh, again, another good sign about this team, especially if you're a Celtics fan, I think anybody that's listening to us is a Celtics fan. A, a good sign for this team is they were able to voice their uh, subjects that they were kind of disagreeing with the coaching staff a little bit, disagreeing with how things were being run. Everybody seemed to get together. There wasn't all the stuff about team meetings. People just got together, talked it out worked it out, and now everybody's back on the same page and I went five in a row. So um, that, that's, a, that's a very good sign. It's a, a sign of a good coach. We, I can't tell you how good a coach we have. I, we, we just have him. He, he's top three coaches in the league already. I don't care what his record is. He's a, he's a top three coach in the league, and he's, we just got to keep him here for a long time because he's, he's going to Springfield when he's done. Wow. Yeah, it, that's – you know, <laughs> that's that's high praise, Mike. But it, I, you know, how can you argue with it? With what he's done, with you know, I mean, going back to his first year here, I mean, that was a very, very tough year. I mean, tough year was, I'm sure, it was a tough as an announcer, but it was a tough year for. And he he took that. He and it's amazing what he's done with this group, you know. And um, I, it's, it's hard to, to, he takes hard the cards to, to, Go ahead, Mike. He yeah. takes the cards that are dealt to him and he plays them as best he can. Um, you know, that was a big difference, I think, for Brad that he had to get used to, you know, because at Butler, he was able to go get the kids that he wanted. 
Um, and he has a great relationship with Danny, and, and, and Danny's one of the best at what he does, and Brad understands that. But it, it's it's a different thing for him as a coach now. He just it's like who's on my roster? Okay, All right, these are the guys I work with. I'll get the best out of this this bunch, uh, and that's what he's done. I mean, he's you know, <laughs> Jay Crowder was a throw-in on on, on the deal with Dallas, and 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 you know Jay Crowder, you could make a case could have been considered for an All-Star berth. Um, he, he gets the most. And Nate Johnson is playing the best basketball of his life. Uh, I think Avery Bradley gets better every week. Um, there's a lot of guys on this team who uh, Evan Turner is playing this terrific basketball in a role coming off the bench. The Celtics, and, and again, as you know, they got 62 points off the bench last night. That's crazy. Those are crazy numbers off, off from the non-starters. Um, you know, I mean, Scott Stiles is a very good coach. He had no answers last night, zero answers. Uh, and, and if that game won another quarter, the Celtics would have won by 40. Uh, he's, he's just a very, very good coach. Yeah, I mean, Greg Popovich, as you know, doesn't throw compliments around. He, he tells people he watches Celtics tapes to see what Brad's doing. Um, that's, that's the only recommendation you need, really. Oh, yeah. Um, moving maybe on to Marcus Smart. Um, you know, yeah. I think you know, given his pedigree, given where he's his draft position, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, he should be a 20 and 10 point guard. He should be doing this and that. Um, I'm not disappointed with Marcus at all. I mean, I, I think his, his, as you said, his, his defense is, is other, it could be otherworldly. Um, where do you he see was, Marcus? I'll give, it, I'll give it a great, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, where do you see Marcus's, you know, where do you see he, where do you see him going as a player? I mean, do you, do you think he's going to be like a Joe Dumars type? Do you th- I mean, where do you see, I mean, it seems like he could be anything he wants to be pretty much. Uh, I, I think he has, I think this ultimately will be Marcus's team. I, yeah. I, I think he will ultimately turn out. Brad is not into appointing coaches and stuff like that. And I understand that. That may change in time. And it's hard to call it Marcus's team because he missed 21 games and wasn't around. But ultimately, I think this is Marcus Smart's basketball team. He he had a great line the other night uh, in the box score. He was he was 0 for 4 from the field, 1 for 2 from the street throw line. In the plus-minus column, he was a plus 17. Yeah. Wow. And, and so then you just go, wow, what is this guy doing out there? And then you realize he just does all this other stuff. He rebounds. He gets assists. He gets steals. He gets blocks. He, you know, the thing that is, has really impressed me about Marcus that makes it makes me think he can do this forever is that, and he get mad at me for saying this, he's not that quick. His anticipation is off the charts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like you know Rondo used to get in front of people because he was just like really quick. Rondo could make a mistake and and, and recover and get and, and still get in front of people. Um, Marcus gets in front of people because he moves to where they're going before they know where they're going. Uh, Has he taken on know, the leadership identity of the coach in in that locker not, room? Not, not yet. No, I would. I would not that I see. Uh, I, I don't go to practice, and so I mean that's a big part of uh, uh, where guys establish themselves. But uh, no, this this is Brad's team right now. This is that's that's what I was saying earlier. Where I think we fly in the face of you know I mean as great a coach as as Popovich is, the, the San Antonio Spurs have Tim Duncan's personality. Um, whoever LeBron James is gone, the team is have LeBron James's personality. Um, 
this is different. This this team has Brad Stevens' personality, and that's another reason why I think we want to keep the, all these draft picks and bring in young kids that he can coach, uh, as opposed to bringing established guys who he has to not so much work around, but but say like, okay, this is how this guy plays, and so therefore we have to do this to play to his strengths. Um, but getting back to Marcus, <coughs> excuse me, I think I think Marcus has the chance to be a really big time player over the course of his career because he's just so good defensively. I mean, he's just, he's so good guys. You see guys bringing the ball up the court and they see that Marcus is like kind of waiting for him five feet ahead and they're just looking to get rid of it. They they don't want to deal. <laughs> they say really, it's really, it's really kind of, it's really fun to watch. And, and he, he does a thing that again, I, I don't recall any player that, that in the years that I've been doing it, who doesn't anywhere near as well as he does, is he attacks the ball. Like when he's defending you, you better have both hands on the ball because if not, he's going to rip it away from you. He's just going to go in there and grab it. Um, most guys look to make steals by reaching around, by trying to catch the ball off the dribble. Marcus tries to take it out of your hands um, and is remarkably successful at doing it. And And he will forever be one of my favorite players because for a hundred years now, it seems I've been waiting when players roll the ball up the court for somebody to attack the player who's rolling the ball up the court. And he did it against, I think it was against New Jersey. Uh, he did it and, and stole the ball. And I was like, wow, why haven't people been doing that for, for so long? Um, he, he's, a special, he's a special talent defensively. He's got the potential to be a leader in, 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 on the team. And I think offensively, he's only going to get better. Um, his shot is not the prettiest in the world, but there are a lot of guys who have been very successful in this league offensively. He didn't have pretty shots. Um, and he's not afraid to take the ball in the basket. He can shoot free throws. Um, he, he's a really good pick. I, I, again, I, I think he's a Celtic for a long, long time. Well, we sure hope so. And I think, I think you're right about the shot. I don't think that that it's improving and it's more shot selection. It's not how a shot mm-hmm. goes down. We need to see some improvements and we will over time. And as he learns, as he improves shot selection, more of them are going to go down. We've already seen him work on that three point shot and it's becoming much more reliable right in front of our mm-hmm. eyes just over the last four weeks. But listen, Mike, um, we're going to wrap up. I know you got to go, and uh, we really appreciate you fitting us in on the weekend uh, for our first show back. I mean, we did we did cover for Larry Russell on Celtics Beat, and I think it gave me and John the bug. And <laughs> since then, we've been trying to get this set up again, and you know, it was no question. We said who's going to be the first guest. Uh, we went we went right to Mike Gorman, and you accommodated us as we're kind of getting the the pieces put back together. But really, really good stuff. I just love what you're saying about the team and the culture and I think that's what that's another reason why John and I are so excited to be back because there's really something to talk about here well you guys have missed and um you know anytime I I totally enjoy talking with you um I get a chance to be honest which I don't have to be on the broadcast all the time it's good (laughs) (laughs) we love it and we love that we can provide you that opportunity (laughs) be well yep have a great day Thanks, Mike. John, as always, Mike Gorman, just a great guest on the show. What a supporter. What a supporter. Although, I think it's hilarious that he thought that, you know, I loved your your decimal point 
comment because <laughs> I think it's hilarious that he said that, boy, that would have been nice. You know, there was a time when I was dreaming of quitting my day job to, to make this a reality. And some people actually, you know, have been able to do that uh, over the last 10 years, you know, including Nick Gelso with CLNS Radio. You know, it's awesome to see people, you know, kind of take that dream that you and I had early on. Maybe we could do this for a living. And some people really are doing it. They ran with it. So, uh, Mike always a great supporter, and he made some really, really interesting comments. You know, I know you and I want to talk about some things, and we've been going back and forth on Twitter. But I think the biggest thing was was putting Brad Stevens into Canton already. Yeah, well, Springfield, but yeah, <laughs> or Springfield. You can put him in Canton. Canton that's too. football. Why not? Woo! He's that good. I think. <laughs> why? Why the hell not? We'll put him in the football hall of fame too, because he's Brad Stevens. He should be. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I. Look, I mean, can you argue? Okay, this is a guy who let's just. I mean, okay, first of all, Brad Stevens is a year older than me. He's you know what, two years younger than you, right? So he's a contemporary of ours. Ten years later, we're doing the same podcast we did before, and this is a guy who got his his basketball team without a lot of talent. Uh, one year, yes, with Gordon Hayward, but got them to two straight national championships games. He took a Celtics club that was horrible horrendous and actually got them to the playoffs I mean, built basically halfway in the middle of the year a playoff team with guys who basically were cast off from other places and and now he's got them within you know a spitball's distance of second in the east i mean <laughs> well did he not just make isaiah thomas an all-star there i mean go. if you think about where isaiah thomas was and i know that was even brad's comment after that happened right he said he said hey you know that's a reflection of of the players around him as well and then isaiah deflecting it great leadership guys i'm you know again that's just one of the award-winning culture type moves that, you know the way that you deflect that accolades that's that's fantastic we want to keep seeing that but but really Isaiah Thomas was a big, big piece of it last year, and he vaulted that team. But as much as he vaulted the team last year, uh, Brad Stevens has made him an all-star this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know what's interesting about it, kind of jumping off that, is that the only way this team is going to make that next leap, we'll we'll talk about some of the things that, that Mike brought up in terms of acquisitions and players and messing up the mix, but but what, in, what he's do, done with Isaiah Thomas, you're now starting to see – the leap being made by Jay Crowder, the leap being made uh, by by Kelly Olenek. You know, we're able, if, if the Celtics are able to make those internal jumps, you know, with their own players, their own player development guys, being able to grow as players, being able, you know, becoming, becoming to the point where you can rely upon them to do things on the court against other other competition, that really changes the, the dynamic here. That changes everything, and it makes you rethink, you know, some of the, the conventions where we've all thought about needing to go out to get something else, when instead you may have the answer within, and it's yeah. not oh. as costly. Well, all right, so we're definitely going to have to talk about that because you and I were going back and forth a little bit on Twitter the other day, and I know right where you're headed with that. <laughs> but I will. But I got to say one more thing about Isaiah Thomas, too, yeah. which is I did not, at the beginning of the year, believe that he should have been in the starting lineup. And I was concerned about defensive liability, and we didn't get into this with Mike, and we could have. But I will say he's not the defensive liability, and maybe it's schemes – 
by Brad Stevens as well as the fact that he is, you know, quick and he's smart and he's scrappy and it's it's 100%, you know, top gear all the way through the game, which is definitely something that Isaiah has and, and he wouldn't be half the player without. But but the defensive liabilities now I'm eating I'm eating crow. I'm 100% he should be in the starting lineup. I I think I think he, you're right. I mean I I was I mean I'm like you. I I thought keep him off the bench, keep that going, let Bradley and Smart run things in the in the first unit and then, you know, get that boost off the bench. But he's he's changed my mind completely about that. It's been amazing what he has done and and you know, then, you know, cuz the issue was you know, well, can you get enough scoring in the first unit? Well, now we lost scoring in the second unit. And by other players raising their games and finding their own level, it's really helped to to keep him where I think he needs to be. That starting unit needs scoring. It needs that per that burst and that punch. And uh, there aren't a lot of guys who, who were going to the basket to start with. But now he's going. Jay's going. And it really it, it opens things up for everybody. I, I think Isaiah Thomas has been just such a, such a delight to watch. And I think he's getting the other guys more comfortable yes. driving the basket. They're watching his moves maybe in practice or they're discussing it with him. But this team was miserable shooting the three. And now all of a sudden they're better. And make no mistake, it's not because they've had more practice missing three-pointers and now they're finally falling. It has everything to do with what you just said. There's more space. They have more room to shoot it because they are attacking the rim much better in 2016 than they did to start out the first couple months of the year. You can't get you can't be a good three point team. You can if you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson with people in your face, but you can't be a great shooting team if you aren't getting any movement going to the basket, which creates the defense to collapse and then kick it out for open shots. It's just I mean that's just basketball 101 right there. And and what the Celtics have been able to do with 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 Isaiah's penetration, with with what now Jay's doing uh, from the wing, and uh, you know that is allowing everything else to open up and allowing guys like Bradley to get shots above the break and and really opening things up for that whole team. It's you know, but again, it starts with Isaiah Thomas. It starts with Isaiah Thomas, and the other great thing of late, which has been the Celtics have been as as Mike was talking about, they've been blowing some guys out, which means it's a great time get Isaiah some rest. We're going to have the stretch run here, you know, a good six-week run here in the playoffs. And they're going to need him on that West Coast trip that, uh, you know, Mike was referencing earlier. Well, and you know, Mike, uh, uh, sorry, Sean Grandy's favorite stat since very early in the year that he will tweet out and put on Facebook over and over is the Celtics' average margin of victory and the company that they're in with that statistic. Now, it was kind of a misleading statistic because of their record. Like, they had so many less wins that when they, you know, we knew this team could put it together and there could be big wins. And maybe that stat was sort of foreboding that, hey, once they get it together night in and night out, and it took the tightening of the rotation for that to happen, that that Sean was seeing that this team was going to get to the point where they are now. But that average margin of victory, now that they're putting in more wins, it's not getting smaller. So it does it does end up saying a lot about how this team can play and it's nice to see them actually put opponents away in the third quarter and keep them away yeah. not letting them creep back in they're finishing the games much better but i 
we talked about Isaiah Thomas in the starting rotation, and one of the themes with Gorman that we just talked about was, hey, how are all these young guys going to get minutes? We just talked about tightening the rotation as being a cure for what was going on with this team, and then we have all of these picks, and we're going to get to that, and I, I imagine we'll close out the show with that debate. But if, if, if Mike says Mark Smart is the future leader, but he's going to continue to come off the bench, and he's sort of playing this pseudo-off-guard role because of the fact, well, shot selection being one of the reasons, but I know he moves into the point guard role as well, but if he becomes the future leader, I mean, most teams, when they're developing a young guy like this, and that's the intent, that guy's in the starting lineup night in and night out. Now we have Isaiah Thomas is going to be in that role. How long do you think Marcus Smart is going to be able to, you know, stay in that off-the-bench role before he sort of peaks out with his ability to develop? And and how long before he has to take Marcus Smart's spot? I mean, take Isaiah Thomas's spot in the starting rotation. Is this something you think next year, the year after? I mean, Gorman says four years, right? So maybe two more. It's a good question because I think it really asks about, you know, first Isaiah's limitations as a player and, and it, and it speaks to how quickly can Marcus, you know, in my mind, Marcus has to make that jump offensively where he can have, where he has a go-to, you know, scoring you know, mode. And I don't think he has that right now. I think that's the issue for me with, with Marcus's game is that he's still trying to find out who he is offensively in a scoring sense. And, and it, it, that nothing has clicked in him to say, okay, this is how I get points. And I think that's, he's got to establish that first. And I think he can do that in the second unit. And if he can do that, then, you know, everything comes along. Bradley was able to say, look, I can make that mid-range shot. I can come off a screen, top of the key, 19, you know, 18, 19 feet, and it's money. And I think that Marcus needs to find whatever that is for him. Maybe it's getting on the block. Maybe that, you know, maybe you call plays for him and get him on the block. Um, I don't think it's the three-point shot. I honestly think it's him going to the bucket. I think that's the way that everything is going to be unlocked for him. And, you know, I think as, Mark, as, as Mike was saying earlier, his size is an issue. I think I'd like to see him maybe get a little skinnier so he can get to be a, maybe a little bit quicker and get to the bucket a little bit sooner. He's still built like a bowling ball. He's still going to you know be able to get. But he's I, See, strong. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. And and one of the reasons is I'm, you know, I know we're not drawing the – I know the Paul Pierce comparison was DeMar DeRozan yeah. for Gorman, but I'm going to make a similar Paul Pierce comparison with Marcus Smart because those were the knocks on Pierce. He's too big. He's not quick. What Marcus Smart, and this is going back to my comment about shot selection, what he needs to do is just learn how to use that size because defensively it's not an issue. As a matter of fact, it's an advantage. So you want his quickness because of anticipation, to, to Gorman's point as well, it's not an issue on defense. That quickness, what you're concerned about, I believe, is mostly offensively. Yeah. And I, and oh, yeah. I think – and I think all he has to do is have the same anticipation. He's not naturally anticipating the offense the way he does with the defense. Yep. But because of what we see on defense, we know he's capable. That's why he needs run. That's why he needs minutes. That's why he needs to be playing with the best players out on the floor and not the second unit at some point. He is going to have to do that. But but I think if he learns to use that size, I mean, that little elbow jumper of Paul Pierce's, that little elbow fadeaway, um, right. That that's exactly what Marcus Smart needs. That little mid range because it'll open up his drives to the basket, 
and even if he pump if he does a little up fake at the three point line, he's going to get guys to move, and that'll set it up because he'll have three areas that he can work with, and and his size he'll be able to keep the players off of him. I just I know he's short. I know he's not you know Paul Pierce's height. But I just think it's a very similar thing. If he learns to use the body, he'll be just fine without the quickness. Well, yeah, but you know, and look who's guarding too. So I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I don't think his size is, is a limitation. I guess what I'm saying is, is that for other parts of his game to take off, he's going to have to show that burst to be able to get to the bucket. I think he needs to draw fouls, and that's something Paul was able to do. And if if he's able to do that from the from the elbow and you know kind of get people up in the air and use the old man game. That sounds good to me. You know what I mean. I, I I'm not you know I'm not looking necessarily for that, but I think he's a long ways away from that. He move. is. There, that's for he sure. Is. His his defense is way ahead of his offense, but he can get there. And I think you know if he can, I don't, you know one thing that people haven't really mentioned is that that injury he had in summer league. I think it really set him back. And we're talking about his scoring. If you if you basically dislocate your entire every finger on your hand. You're, it's gonna be hard for you to shoot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So let's, you know, I, you know. Yes, he's had injury issues, and and maybe that's a, a different different argument. But I do think that that give him another summer, give him the chance to kind of go in the lab and figure out what he can do. He's gonna be fine. He's shown times he can. He's shown that burst. Um, I just think he he just needs more development time. The guy's 21 years old. You know what I mean? I, I'm not thinking that it's it's an issue or or that he's he's slow to develop. I'm happy with where he's at right now. Uh, I'm just I'm kind of curious. I think like you are is like well, how is that going to manifest? How is he going to become that leader? Not just in a defensive sense, but on both ends of the court. Um, that you know I think kind of goes along with what Mike was just talking about. Yeah, what's great about Brad Stevens is what Mike said. He's obviously a gifted leader. You know, he even let the team win the complaining without making a huge issue. I mean, I'm sure they handled it internally. But at the end of the day, he listened to them. He responded, and now they're responding to him. That's a true. That's that's a sign of true leadership because true leaders understand teamwork, and this right. is all about teamwork, right? So I think hopefully. That rubs off on Marcus Smart. Maybe it already has, but I would definitely like to see more leadership out of him. And I think he's got the right mentor in that coach, and I think the whole team does for that matter. Now, since we talked about Paul Pierce and the comparison, and because Mike basically said the only person that he really sees in the league that not necessarily even available just to make his point that he would give up the Brooklyn pick for is DeMar DeRozan. And obviously, he said it reminded him of a young Paul Pierce. DeMar DeRozan, obviously a scorer, somebody you can get to the line. And that's really what this team needs. I mean, Isaiah's great, but he's not going to be able to do that in the playoffs and really carry them. They definitely do need a scorer. You know, I def- I got into it a little bit uh, with Jeff Clark and, uh, and our buddy John over at Red's Army. And we were twittering back and forth, and I said, well, why wouldn't you make a play for Hayward? The, my whole, and the reason I asked Mike this question, and my whole reasoning is, I think somebody like Gordon Hayward keeps the team atmosphere, but provides them with somebody who can really score, and he still does other things. He's not just a scorer, he's not a big ego, he can rebound, he can pass, and he can shoot, and he can go to the hole and score, and I understand he's not an all-star, I understand he's not maybe headed to Springfield by any means, Definitely not Canton. Maybe Canton, but yeah. Definitely Cooper's not Canton. Maybe Cooperstown. <laughs> Who the hell knows? There's a lot of options for him. But I like, <laughs> I like how he fits into the culture. 
It, yeah. That I think he would fit in. He's and Brad oh, Stevens no already knows. So if they tried to make a play and it, they executed it, they obviously would be going to Brad for feedback. I know Hayward's not necessarily on the trade block. I understand it's just hypothetical, but my my point isn't so much to lock in on Hayward as much as it's to say. I'm not sure that we need a superstar, and I am willing to give up the Brooklyn pick. I know that you know maybe Hayward isn't who you had in mind, but you know what are your thoughts on that that uh, that concept? Well, because Mike seemed to buy into it. Yeah, you know, I, well, on, on the other hand, you know, he's like I'd rather keep get our guy, get a young guy, and let him develop within Brad's system. So, you know, but with Hayward, you're, it, it's a little bit different because he was in Brad's system and. Uh, <laughs> You know, everything that goes with that. Um, yeah, you know, I think I don't I don't mind moving the pick. I don't mind moving the pick, but it's got to be special. It's got to be somebody that's going to be who's a, on your special list. And I understand they don't have to necessarily be available. I know sometimes yeah. people like to have the debate because, well, that person's not even available. You're just, you know, whatever, you know, you're just dreaming. Or, But that's not the point. I think the debate is valuable to just sort of set the bar, right? And we know... And you made a, you made this point with Gorman already. Somebody like Boogie, whoever is going to become available, part of the reason they become available is because they're a cancer on the team. Yeah. But I know I know the Horford thing came up and Jeff Teague, and I know we, we need to talk about that. But who is who is really on your list for that Brooklyn pick? That's likely to be top three, but we could we could get Yi Jin Leond and wind <laughs> up with a five pick. Well, remember we didn't get Yi. We got we got Jeff. We got. But that would have been our exciting pick that year, is my point. We got, I know, I know. But I, I guess I, I mean, I, and I don't have a list per se. But I, I think we're talking about somebody who's uh, is an all star with a bullet, a guy who is is going to be an all star year after year after year. Somebody you can count on. Somebody you know that's going to be there. And and I'm not sure Hayward's that guy. He could be that guy, um, but offensively. You know he's not he's not there yet. I mean he's a good player. He'd be helpful here. He'd do a lot of things here. He'd be like um, he'd be he'd be. I think the the comparison for him here would be that he would be Evan Turner, uh, except he can shoot. You know I think that's what you'd get out of Gordon Hayward here. He would be Evan Turner, except he. Could... I think he's so much better than that. I mean I think I, I, think I understand what you mean talent. in terms of. Well, I think it's flexible. I know, I know what you're saying. Flexible, kind of do it all guy, not master of one particular thing, and that is kind of my point. But I, I, as much as Evans' play has improved and he's a valuable piece on this team, yep. I still think Gordon Hayward is is at least a tier, if not two tiers, above Evan Turner. Oh no, I know that. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, in terms of the the the, the things that he'll do, he'll do everything. The flexibility, right. I understand. But it's so, not going to be. But what I guess what I'm saying is he's not going to be – talking about some of the other guys that are on the market right now. Forget their contract situation. I'd rather have Al Horford than I would than, than, than I would rather have Gordon Hayward. I'd rather have Blake Griffin than I would rather have Gordon Hayward. So that, the that's Blake what Griffin, I'm saying. I mean, Blake Griffin's a no-brainer. Player alone. Yeah, Blake Griffin's a no-brainer. Can't, can't agree – on Horford because he's older. One of the things and one of the reasons I like Hayward is he's still in his early mid twenties. Right. So he's somebody who can continue to develop. Horford's thirty. Not that he won't give us, you know, four good seasons, because I think he would. Right. But and I'm not saying you don't get both either. Well but I'm well, that's but I'm just saying for the pick, 
I'm, I would definitely prefer Hayward over over somebody like Horford. Right. So so I guess what I'm saying is if I'm going to make that pick, if I'm going to move that pick, it's got to be somebody I'd have. I wouldn't be moving him for Horford. Now if we're going to talk about the contract, I wouldn't move the pick for Horford. I wouldn't move the pick for DeMar DeRozan, who isn't available anyway. But I would I, I would be willing to would move boogie. Horford. And, I, and, and, you know, to me, looking at that, you know, what the future is, the guys, you know, kind of going along with what Mike's saying, you need guys here who are going to fit into what's going on here. I don't know if Blake Griffin fits that mold. You know, we didn't mention that name with him, but I don't think he's that type of guy. I think Al Horford is that type of guy. I think Gordon Hayward is that type of guy. I have no idea about DeMar DeRozan. Um, but, you know, look. No, but him. Horford and Hayward know how to play on a team and right. know how to move the ball. Right. I just I want to make sure that if we do get a scorer, we don't get a black hole. That's really my number one concern. I don't want a big ego, and I don't want a black hole on offense. Isaiah's come a long way I was gonna say. from the time when he was pounding the ball and really stunting the offense, which is part of the reason I said I thought he was better coming off the bench. But he has grown leaps and bounds this year. I, yeah, and I think I think that's Brad. You know what I mean? I think you're going to get a guy – that's what Brad's going to do. Is he's going to? That's, you know, that's what he's going to do. That's his thing. And I, I think, you know, um, the problem is, is that you, you <laughs> you're going to need somebody who has that ego, that scoring ego that Paul had, that uh, you know, that I think that I, oh, Isaiah had. Um, you know, although obviously a different body type, different type of game. That is what this team desperately needs, is somebody we need to be able to go in a time machine and use all our cap space and get Paul Pierce from 2005, 2006. That's the guy this team needs right now. Um, unfortunately, that's not possible. So no. it, might be, it, it might be in the draft. You're dreaming of Ben Simmons. We'll have to see how it all, how it all plays out. Know. You know what, John? You and I could talk for a full two hours easily and just keep going and going and the great thing is we're going to keep this up and we're going to keep having these discussions and i i I think one of the things i loved about celtic stuff live is that we would develop these themes and we would go back to them and go back to them and just continue to come at it from different angles and i can't wait till we do our next show hopefully this will be a weekly thing for us maybe even more like we said at the top we're pretty much going to be get creative with it. You might hear an interview just pop up from John on his own. He might conduct an interview. I might do the same thing. We might get together in the middle of the week. Uh, right now, no plans for any super consistency. We're going to keep our listeners on the toes. Uh, make sure you're always checking the feed. The iTunes feed is going to be up. The CLNS radio app is also going to have... Uh, our episodes or our shows posted, and uh, you know you you can find us on some of the CLNS post game shows as well in the coming months, and definitely once the postseason rolls around. I, I this team is a half game away from the number three seed, uh, and we haven't even talked about that. So we're gonna have to table some of this for next week, John, because I know we're tightening our show up to an hour as we kind of come out uh, and bring Celtic stuff live back for everybody out there who's been a fan in the past and just want to say thanks to everybody who's always listened and supported us and uh, it feels good to be back doesn't it john it, uh, it's amazing it it is like riding a bike we'll use all the clichés we can you know it, it... 
<laughs> but it's yeah. great. It really is great to be back. It's great to be talking to you, Justin. Um, again, we're we're further away now than we've ever been, probably doing this show, but it's it's great. Um, Aaron, I'm really looking forward to talking to some of the folks that we've we've had on the past and some new folks too. So yeah, we gotta we gotta reach out to Grandy quickly. Def- yes, damage, damage control. <laughs> you got damage it. Damage control. All right, everybody. And I think we used to close out the show by saying thank you all for listening. Celtic Stuff Live.